So folks, this is yet another episode from the TGV Global Speaker Series and our guest for today is Takatoshi Shibayama and he's from Japan. Taka is the head in sales APAC of copper and he provides custody and prime services of digital assets to institutional clients who are investing or providing financial services for crypto assets. Copper also provides access to leverage liquidity in OTC trading and then DeFi connectivity. DeFi stands for decentralized finance and staking services, etc. Prior to this, he was an analyst and investor of distressed corporate situations for about 17 years and starting his career with investment banks like JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs. Later, joined a U.S. hedge fund, Davidson Kempner Capital Management and co-founding 3D Investment Partners in Singapore. So as we prepare to delve into our conversation on the topic at hand, from investment banking to crypto, navigating two worlds of finance and why he believes in blockchain's game-changing potential, here is an exciting twist. First, let us tickle his brain so, Taka, get ready for a rapid-fire round of random words. I'll mention a few and I would love to hear the first thing that comes to your mind in response without thinking much. If you're ready, let's get started. Let's go. Curiosity. What drives personal development? Invention. What drives the world? <laughs> Future. What we aspire for but not to linger on. Book. Read as much as you can. <laughs> Movie. Uh, for for nighttime fun. Food? Can't resist. Japan? My country. Creativity? Also drives the world. Technology? Need it, but not completely necessary. And, and the last one is fame? Completely not necessary. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting and to the point. Thank you so much for participating in the first rapid fire round so sportively. There is one more exciting rapid fire round waiting towards the fag end of the episode and folks welcome to the guiding voice podcast series where we embark on transformative conversations for a better future i'm your host navin samala dedicated to making the world a better place through valuable discussions that add value not only to your life but also to your career thank you so much for tuning in and taka Hearty welcome to The Guiding Voice. I'm thrilled to host you today and engage in this conversation. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling wonderful. Thank you very much for inviting me to your wonderful po podcast. I'm very excited to answer any questions that you have. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to keep it simple and I'm sure I'm not going to put you on spot. So yeah, let us unleash this world of finance as well as crypto. And before we get into the core of the conversation, let's begin with your success mantra. So Taka, please share with our audience the top three things that have contributed or attributed to your success so far. I think the three words would be it's mm -hmm. conviction, adaptability, and resilience. Wow. Conviction, adaptability, and resilience. And Taka, your journey has taken you from Japan to the US and again back to Japan. And you have experienced different cultures as well as work environments. So how has this international background shaped your perspective on, on the finance and blockchain industries? And what unique insights have you gained from this particular journey? Uh, so I was born in Japan um, and grew up until five. And then I, for my father's work, I had to move to the United States. And I lived there for about 10 years. 
and went back to Japan. So this is around when I was 15, 16 years old. And what I experienced during that time is is a, a monstrous shift in changes in my life. And as you can imagine, a five-year-old who only spoke Japanese moving to the United <laughs> States, if you've you know been to Japan, if you've ever been to the US, you'll see that the cultures are nothing alike. It's, yeah. it's a very different culture and obviously the language as well. So yeah. the impact that one has when moving to and, and having that great change in life will impact you some way or the other. Uh, for me, it was when I moved to the United States, obviously I didn't know the language. The people were different. The, the country was so big. And this is New York, um, not in the city, but in the su- suburb areas and having to learn a new language because I had no other option. And, you know, during that time, obviously, you're molded into a very American person, basically. You know, the culture is very acceptive of, like, dragging you into their culture and then molding you in, into an American. So as a child, I, I believe that I became extremely, you know, American in that sense. And then when I was 15, 16, when I moved back to Japan, then it took me to the polar end again by... Japan is also another country where it has very strong cultural uh, strength to it. And even back in those days, and this is like early 1990s, um, Japan was not that open to, you know, foreign countries. And they didn't really understand like what, you know, Americans were or, or, you know, what, what kind of like Western, there was not much that influence. So for me, having that title shift it mm. makes you somewhat very precocious in a way that you have to be able to kind of accept that that change because it's it's not you didn't decide your parents decided and i have to make that shift and in, in, in learning again Jap- japanese which my level of japanese at that point was like five-year-old mm. so you know in japan the the scriptures and everything are very difficult to, to yeah. learn the sentence structure is very hard the formality of the language use is very different the people are completely different they think in a very different way so that that forms like okay how can i swing from one end to another and it becomes it makes you and going to that word that i just mentioned in the beginning adaptability is very very important and that i think will shape your personality quite a lot um when i moved when i started working i I spent a few years in tokyo but afterwards i moved to london and i am now in singapore i worked in hong kong as well i generally lived in quite a lot of uh, countries Mm. now and that adaptability to be able to kind of flex yourself that so you can be able to live in a different culture be able to kind of take in what you think is very positive, what you think is very interesting to you, and and blend that into your personality. I believe it was something that was, um, you know, really kind of like given to me because mm-hmm. of that uh, upbringing that I had. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I've been to the US and not yet to Japan, but yeah, I, I see that the cultures are completely different and. Uh, I think having this kind of global exposure will help us in leading successful professional and the business life, right? So great. Yeah. To- so one thing, yeah, one thing I, I like to add to that is that yeah. you know when I was in the U.S., I mean I wasn't particularly a bad student, uh, mm-hmm. but then when I go go to Japan, all of a sudden because I can't understand you know what people are saying or what what people are trying to teach me, mm-hmm. and all the even math was done differently. Um, you know, all the things that I learned about history, about the U.S. and all, was completely irrelevant as well. So, like, 
I go from like a top performing student into the bottom performing student mm. and having to kind of bring yourself back to that level because I had this you know heart that you know and I knew that you know I'm not a stupid person it's just mm -hmm. a language barrier that I have to overcome so I don't want to be stuck in a situation where you know I'm I'm the worst performing student in the, in this class so you know I just have that drive to make sure that I come back to where I was before and mm -hmm. uh, that's another thing that you'll probably experience living in a different country all of a sudden you, you speak a new language and then you just feel like a baby because you don't you can't speak but your mind is already quite mature so you want to say something but you can't do it and then you feel like you're falling behind and and again going to that resilience part is, is also essential you have to be resilient to you know mm -hmm. changes resilient to being bad at something and then bringing yourself back to where you were before Awesome. I, I loved it. I think thanks for sharing that background information as well. And uh, Taka, with an 18-year career in proprietary investing and having navigated through significant financial crises like the dot-com bubble burst and the subprime uh, mortgage crisis, can you share a specific experience that taught you valuable lessons about risk management and also investment strategy? Sure. So I, as you mentioned in the beginning, I invested in distressed corporate strategies. So what that investment strategy entails is that we take a look at a company who's in a distressed situation. So it could be in a restructuring, it could be in a bankruptcy procedure. And we look at the fundamental value of that company and then we buy it as cheap, cheaply as possible. So it's very similar to like value investing, but it has a different uh, angle to it because it's in a distressed situation. So in that sense, we're looking at the fundamental value of the company and buying it lower than the actual fundamental value because it's they're in that special situation. By nature, it is a very conservative investment because mm -hmm. you're buying it cheaply than what, mm. it, what, what it actually is. So, you know, in my investment strategy, and this is, it goes across many different asset classes as well, is that you always have to find that value of the, of the investment that you're doing, and then uh, being able to hold that asset at a level where, uh, or purchase or acquire that uh, at a level where you think it's a discount to market. So when that happens, then you become your portfolio actually becomes very resilient to a lot of the market swings because if something like subprime happens or if something like dot com or some kind of bubble happens, then because you're still buying it at the lows, you are still going to make money in the in, in the end. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of turmoil. My portfolio went down quite significantly because of these special incidents. But then you have to think about, okay, why did I buy this? Why do I believe in this? What is my conviction on, on this particular investment that I made? And how can I not get emotionally attached to it and be able to drive through the turbulence that you're going mm. through? So what I think in any, any business that you're making or any investment that you're making is to make sure that your portfolio, your company is always resilient to the downside always hire so that you have a bear market in mind always mm -hmm. create a portfolio that if the market swings completely negative towards you then mm -hmm. you still have a an investment that still at the end of the day is going to make money mm -hmm. and uh, not be emotionally attached to it oh i think emotional aspects plays a critical role here now let's switch gear and move forward 
talking about launching this hedge fund that grew over 1 billion dollars in assets under your management is a remarkable achievement so what were some of the key challenges you faced along the way and what strategies or decisions do you credit for your fund's success so i took advantage of few things uh, one is that um there are not that many japanese people that speak english very fluently in the market in general so i was able to take advantage of that and then also there are not that many japan focused um value investing strategies uh in the market so and just because i come from that background i took uh, an advantage of that which you can say it's part luck but it's also by my particular choice to get into that particular uh, strategy uh and that, then also i had the experience um so you know i think that what whatever anything that you do you always have to find that gap in the market where is that gap that you know one can fulfill itself there's always a lot of investors capital allocators that are very interested in the japanese market because right now it's still the third largest economy in the world and there are money making opportunities to it so where can i find myself where can i place myself in a right spot so that people would notice me and be able to invest in what i want to do um that is i think is very important for anything investing business creation i think that's uh, something that you always need to look at and i think that's a part mm-hmm. of part of the reason why i think it was mm-hmm. successful the other thing that also makes it successful is that i had or we had a very concentrated a book of investments meaning that if i had a billion dollars i'm not going to put a billion trades on i'm going to choose let's say 25 high conviction uh investments into uh into the portfolio and as i mentioned before with the investment strategy that i have to make sure that it's resilient towards the downside and obviously you're buying it cheap so you're you have the upside and if there's any market turmoil then you'll be able to um you know drive through that uh, and so i think that that portfolio construction also helped through uh, market turbulence you know if you could take like covid for example or or a few other things that happened uh during um you know the the time that we had obviously i was not working for that fund anymore at that time mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the portfolio has done pretty well even through that uh turmoil as well mm-hmm. cool Uh, this is uh, uh, impressive and i think you are trying to fill the gap by identifying where the market needs and uh, as you said like uh, your fluency in english and also not many people are into your field i think you took advantage of everything and now you are standing tall here as a successful person now let's talk about your interest towards this uh, crypto industry so crypto industry is known for its volatility and also rapid changes So can you share a story or experience that illustrates how you have weathered the ups and downs of this industry and still maintained a successful career throughout Yeah so I think my message is very straightforward and it's 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 always uh, the same uh, unfortunately it's a little bit boring but I'll you repeat the same thing again so when I got into blockchain it was uh, or crypto for that matter this was around 2016 and during that time the narrative of crypto was a little bit different from what we hear today back then it was people were thinking about let's create a alternative financial system that is not governed by the banks the the governments the central banks and try to build a a alternative to that not because you want to take them down but it make to make sure that if that system fails then you have something else that you can rely on and i think that 
that's also something that I really believed in because obviously you were seeing history over and over again. Governments do not stand uh, forever, right? The Rome um, Empire failed, you know, many civilizations failed and um, our existing you know, civilization today is not going to be resilient to that either. I mean, there's always going to be a, a turning point uh, where things will change. And so I believe that we we do need a alternate financial system if in case that happens. Mm -hmm. So with this conviction, you know, I got into crypto and mm -hmm. obviously the narrative has changed quite a lot, but I still think that uh, what blockchain and crypto still can promise is a alternative way for people to, to get access to financial services without having a middleman in between. Uh, the other thing that I, I find, uh, you know, the strong conviction in is that, uh, you know, a lot of our financial settlements, meaning that if I want to send money um, from me to you, or if I'm sending money to the United States or elsewhere, usually it takes T plus two or three days. So if you think about every financial transaction that happens, not just payments, but even trades that you do on exchanges, it does take T plus two or three, or sometimes even four or even longer, which means that if I take an example of a, a artery, like your blood mm. vessels, yeah. think of that as being clogged, right? Mm -hmm. So the blood is not flowing through because of all these manual, um, you know, intermediaries that, that, that are, that exist and the work that it's being done to enable this. So blockchain also, um, can remove this type of, you know, kind of, uh, the, the blood flow, so mm -hmm. to say in the financial space. So blockchain does promise instant settlement, which means mm -hmm. that if I send, um, you know, cryptocurrencies, it doesn't have to be Bitcoin, but, you know, even if it's, a, you know, a, a US dollar stable coin, then I can send it to you instantly, which means that if every transaction in this world becomes instant, whether you're trading shares or you're doing yeah. payments, mm -hmm. if they can be settled instantly, then that blood will flow much rapidly, which mm -hmm. means that the circulation of money would, would uh, increase and then uh, you'll have a lot more capital efficiency in the market, which means that more money will be able to be delivered to you. You don't have to, even if you think about accounts, receivable payments, in some industries, it takes eight, 180 days to settle. Think about how much of that capital is locked uh, during that time, which actually can be reinvested and uh, reused in the, in the economy. So I think that those two things um, will actually uh, allow a blockchain to flourish and I, that with that conviction even if there's a market turmoil i i stay very convicted <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, may, it makes sense and it is very clear and uh, taka let's talk about your career part so you have had a diverse and dynamic career path and are, are there any mentors or role models who have had a significant influence on your journey and if so what did you learn from them so I think there's a couple of things and I wouldn't say they're actual people per se. Um, so, well, okay, maybe I'll use one person as an example. One thing that I think that success should mean is not always about financial success. It's about success in life as a whole. And when I think about life, life success, it's not really the kind of material things that really matter to me. And one thing, one person that actually kind of taught me in that sense and, could, and this person is probably well known in, especially in the entrepreneurial spaces, Naval Ravikant. And he was on a Tim Ferriss podcast. 
And he mentioned just one phrase, and he didn't really elaborate much on it, but it, it kind of stuck in me for a while. He said, happiness is a choice. And I pondered on it. And I thought, happiness is mm. a choice. Yeah. We're so used to or conditioned to think that happiness is something that just kind of flies down to you once you achieve something or yeah. once you obtain certain things. But it's actually not. You have to make your life happy in order to be happy. It is not something that you obtain, but you have to, you have to create your own happiness. And I, I really thought about it. And that's why I started, a lot of things started to crumble down when I, when I thought about that word. And I thought, okay, let me take out the negativities in my life. Mm. That's what makes me unhappy. If I have no negative feelings of my life,、mm. then that will make me happy.、Mm -hmm. So I thought about my job. Do I like my job? Do、mm. I like the people that I'm surrounding myself with? Do I like the situation I'm putting myself in, living in a certain country or living in a certain situation? And I started to take down every single one of those negative feelings by removing them from my life.、Mm -hmm. And that actually led me to actually quit the hedge fund industry.、Mm. Um, not just because I wanted to get into crypto, but You know, for a long time, because I've been working in that space for, you know, as you mentioned, 17 years,、yeah. you know, there was a little bit of like a, a exhaustion.、Uh, mm -hmm. And you know, because I was driving so fast in my, in my career, and I'm thinking that if I do this, if I do that, then, then I'll be you know,、uh, successful or I'll make a lot of money, et cetera. But those things actually didn't really contribute to my happiness at all. So I thought, why can't I do something that makes me happy? And、mm -hmm. think about the money later. So that's, that's one thing that really kind of changed my life. And I'll call him a mentor in that sense with those three words happiness is a choice. <laughs> the other thing that I believe that contributed quite a lot to, to my life is playing music or, or playing sports. Because the, the sports or the, the music that I played is very individual. So, I, I practice jujitsu and I've been practicing this for about 12, 13 years now. And I've been awarded a black belt last year. And if I think about all the, the journey, I take time off from work. I exercise probably four or five times a week. And also, it's a, it's a very lonely sport if you think about it, because of course you have training partners, but you also have to train yourself constantly. And even if you don't want to go, you got to get up and go. You know, because you want to get better at it. You know, that constant drive to perfection is something that is, I think, is extremely necessary in order for you to think that you're going to succeed because it's the same as playing instruments. You practice the same phrase over and over, like it's, it's extremely boring.、Uh, you might think so. But you know, doing that repetitious work and drilling and drilling over and over again to, that, to get to that perfection is something that you have to have in yourself. And if you don't have it, then you don't master it. And that's something that I take to my work or to my life in general. And I don't think of that as a hurdle to my life, but is, I take it as something that is valuable, that creates who I am. Super. The Taka, this has been an incredible conversation, but it's the time for us to add some spice and some more excitement to the episode. So get ready for the second rapid fire round, wherein we dive into a series of intriguing questions just to spice up the episode. If you are ready, let's dive in. Sure. Let's go. All right. Here comes the first、uh, bullet out of rapid fire round. If you could have one gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say? Question everything. Question everything.
and would you rather have a rewind button for your life or a pause button to freeze the time briefly and why i'll pick the latter because uh, i think that uh, rewinding the clock uh, undoes a lot of things that happened to me uh, mm-hmm. uh, good things and bad things and i don't think that's really necessary because i'm quite happy of who i am <laughs> nice and can you describe yourself in just one word determined determined and share a quirky habit or a guilty pleasure that you are not ashamed of I'm, okay um so i do a, a very um so i like listening to podcast and mm-hmm. thank you for inviting me to this podcast as well cuz i love it um i usually listen to it on my commute but sometimes mm-hmm. when i'm listening to the podcast i get distracted by looking at somebody or looking outside and finding something so sometimes i lose my train of thought so mm-hmm. what i do is i play sudoku while i listen to the podcast and it completely allows me to focus on the podcast for some reason i have no idea how that happens but uh that's that's <laughs> a little quirk that i that i have <laughs> no that's interesting even i listen to a lot of podcasts and i get distracted at times due to some calls or something but uh, usually commute time and also during my evening jog or walk time is something which is uh, where i listen to a lot of them but yeah good tip i, I it sounds interesting to me <laughs> and uh, taka if you could have any super power for a day what would it be and why i'll make the world silent for for a day <laughs> and last one for the rapid fire what is one electronic gadget uh, that you'd like to see or uh, invent yourself i like to see a gadget where i can transport to a different place within a second <laughs> yeah teleportation is huge in demand on tgv i think uh, inventors yeah. out there please invent one teleportation device or a time machine so both of them are huge in demand <laughs> mm-hmm. good i i loved your rapid fire responses and let's flip back to the mainstream so what advice would you offer to the younger generation aspiring to build a career in finance or blockchain especially in the light of challenges and uncertainties they might face along the way so finance in general is a very turbulent and very um you know changing market all the time and uh you will be faced with you know bear markets and bull markets all the time so i what, what if you're aspiring to be in finance if you're aspiring to be in crypto um mm-hmm. it's it's going to be a very volatile career you know a lot of people get fired you know they have to get another job it's constantly moving so being able to withstand that mentally is something that's extremely challenging for a lot of people and if anybody's wishing to join the world of finance or crypto in that sense then uh, i believe that building that resilience in you is the most important thing and that conviction that you need that you you would want to stay in that industry you love what you do that's something that i believe that's uh super necessary uh and that's what i've learned over the years superb and i think that's a powerful uh, advice and thank you so much for that and uh, taka please share your experience on how is it being hosted on the guiding voice podcast it's a very fun experience you have a very interesting uh you know um questions that you ask um and you're extremely uh, a great host i posted podcast before um your your sense of um excitement uh, that i see through um you know is is something that uh, i think every podcast host should have
<laughs> thank you thank you so much for the kind words and i really appreciate you taking time and joining me in this uh, conversation i thoroughly enjoyed every bit of it i'm sure it is going to add a lot of value to our community so it was pleasure having you talk and look forward to having you again in future on the guiding voice so have a great uh, time ahead thank you once again thank you so much all right so friends that was our episode with takatoshi shibayama and before we jump into the fun trivia section we have a quick request if you haven't already subscribed to our podcast please subscribe to the guiding voice from wherever you have tuned in because subscribing keeps you updated on new episodes and if you have enjoyed the conversation and found it useful please share with at least three of your friends or colleagues who would also like the guiding voice so spread the knowledge and help others grow just like you now let's cruise into the trivia segment of today's episode it is about japan we had an amazing guest who has shared a lot of knowledge around investment banking about finance industry and the way crypto is transforming and also a bit of careers in finance i thought i would present you a facts related to japan and most importantly the less known facts so first one is about uh, love hotels so japan's unique love hotels with their imaginative and eccentric themed rooms offer a fascinating insight into a distinct aspect of japanese culture where privacy and creativity come together in a unique way so just in case if you happen to visit japan try out love hotels and the second one is about yubari king melons the reputation of yubari king melons exceptionally expensive and sought after as luxury gifts showcases the value placed on quality as well as craftsmanship in japanese agriculture and also gifting culture and the third one is about uh, island of cats eoshima island which is known as cat heaven island provides a charming and unusual experience for cat lovers so with cats significantly outnumbering human residents it's a heartwarming and distinct aspect of japan's natural and cultural landscape so i'm going to stop here talking about japan now it's your turn in case if you are aware of any less known facts about japan please feel free to drop your comments if you are watching it on youtube you can comment there or if you have found this episode on social media platform please comment there and that's it for today's episode so thank you so much for tuning in and also for being part of our awesome community folks we would love to hear from you so do not hesitate to share your feedback ideas topic recommendations or guest speaker suggestions either through social media channels or you can also email us at theguidingvoiceforyou@gmail.com so let's create content that resonates with you i'm your host navin samala a lifelong learner and my goal is to have impactful conversations that improve not only your life but also your career so until next time take care stay inspired and remember the future holds great things because the best is yet to come goodbye for now see you all in the next episode with another amazing guest take care